Welcome again to Lex City Church here on LexCity.tv. We're in the middle of the season where we're staying healthy at home. During the past seven weeks of being healthy at home, 32 of you have given your lives to Jesus. That's amazing. If you recently prayed to receive Jesus or would like more information on following Jesus, go over to LexCity.info and click on I Prayed. Church, dozens of you have signed up for our four Lexington response team. And we are deploying people every week to serve the needs of our partner nonprofits and helping those in need in our church community. In light of the continued needs in our community now and in the future, and because as a church we are for Lexington, we have created the For Lexington Assistance Program. This is our way as a church to deploy volunteers to assist those in need in any way possible, both financially and by serving those in our community. Whether that's picking up groceries and delivering them to our most vulnerable population, needing some temporary assistance with a utility bill because you lost your income, or just needing some help repairing a critical part of your home. These are the ways we would love to help. If you or someone you know could benefit from this kind of assistance, you can go to lexcity.info and click on Fort Lexington Assistance Program. That's an acronym for FLAP. Did we know that? FLAP, is that what we're going with? Yeah, we're gonna call it FLAP. Like, ah! We have to get a hand signal. Yes. Flap. You can fill out a quick form, we will get in touch with you as soon as possible. While we can't guarantee that we can meet every need, we can definitely provide assistance to as many people as we possibly can. This and all the ministry at Lex City is made possible by giving back some of what God has given to us. My wife Ashley and I are excited to give consistently to the local church out of obedience and generosity. It's a joy to see our simple donation grow a ministry that goes beyond ourselves. It's amazing what we are able to do together as a church family. Here at Lex City, the easiest way to give is online at lexcity.info. Click on Give and with a few pieces of the information, you too can contribute to all that God is doing through our church. I make my gift regularly occurring under the Frequency tab so I don't forget to give back from what God has given us. Thank you for your generosity, Lex City. Let's join Pastor Brian for the final week of Things Jesus Never Said. Well, welcome to our third and our final week of our series entitled, Things That Jesus Never Said. And the whole premise of the series has been this. There are things that we consciously or unconsciously attribute to the teachings of Jesus. And the problem is when we think that Jesus said this and then things don't turn out that way, ultimately it, it undermines our trust in the character and the heart of who God is. Well, today I want to look at one of those sayings. Now, can I just say, I wish this saying was true because if it was, then life would be a whole lot easier. And the saying is simply this, you don't need to forgive them. Wouldn't it be great if, if that were, were true? Or if we did have to forgive, we only had to forgive people who deserved it or people who have received enough appropriate level of punishment for the things they've done wrong to us. I, I kind of like that one. I, I think if I knew that they were punished enough and received enough shame for the things they did to me, then out of the kindness of my heart, I would find it easy to forgive. Here's the problem. Jesus never said that. In, in fact, Jesus said something completely opposite, that he said that one of the hallmarks, one of the characteristics of a follower of him, one of the evidences of the genuineness of our faith is this idea that we will willingly forgive. 
Today, as we talk about this topic, I, I want to narrow our focus down. I want to narrow it down to dealing with the people that we are quarantined with or even the people that we have to work with on a daily basis because these close quarters, these confined moments, I think create some very unique challenges for us relationally, especially with the people that are closest to us. I mean, in these times, you, you can't send the kids off to school. Uh, you can't escape to work for a few hours just to get away from it. Uh, and to top it all off, you have those constraining requirements on our lives. And then there are financial pressures, right, of things that are unexpected or even unknown to what the future holds in the, that area. So all of these come together. These days are, are taxing. And if we're honest, they're having an impact on our relationships, especially the relationships that are closest to, do, to us. It's at these times with these kind of pressures, listen, they're either going to do one or two things, right? They're going to either push us closer together or they're going to pull us farther apart. And so how we deal with these pressures is so important. I'm talking about the pressures that build up amongst family members, uh, relationships that we have with our, our roommates. Uh, it even affects the relationships we have with our dogs. Uh, cats, they don't count. I mean, they were annoyed with you far before this pandemic ever came. But here's what we know. Prolonged stress causes damage in relationships. We're, we're seeing it other places. Build, uh, businessinsiders.com did a report on March 6th of this year, 2020, that China was recording the highest number of divorces in their country's history. And one Chinese official described why this is happening, and he simply said this, trivial matters in life lead to an escalation of conflicts and poor communication has caused everyone to be disappointed in marriage and make decisions to divorce. <laughs> See, stress confined quarters create a, a fertile soil for the enemy and even for our own sinfulness to damage our relationships. So what is God's antidote? How do we combat what we're facing even today. We're going to see this because it comes from one of the strong teachings of Jesus that the antidote is found in the simple thing called forgiveness. Now, as soon as I said this word forgiveness, some of you have said, well, <laughs> that's nice, Pastor, but you don't really understand my situation. And can I say to you even today that you're absolutely right? I, I don't understand it. For many of you, I, I can't even begin to imagine the depth of pain and hurt that you are experiencing and have experienced in your life. For some of you, the levels of betrayal from those that were closest to you that should have cared for your heart the most run so deep. For some of you, even today, those people in your life who should have cared for you and protected you the most are the people who have hurt you at the deepest level of your hearts. So I just say in that, I, I'm sorry, and I wish that wasn't the case. I, I so wish I could give you an, an easy verse and an easy prayer and make all of it go away. But that's not what Jesus teaches us in this area of forgiveness and how forgiveness works in the heart of, of a believer. In fact, as we think about this issue of forgiveness, there are, there are many things that Jesus did not say uh, about forgiveness and yet they're phrases that I hear all the time. Let me just take a few moments today. And let me give you today five things that Jesus did not say about forgiveness. First one, Jesus didn't say this. He didn't say forgive when you feel like it. I mean, if you are waiting until the feeling comes to forgive, 
Boy, I'm gonna tell you, it's unlikely that forgiveness will ever occur if you're waiting for that forgiveness. Listen, I, I have never felt like forgiving. In fact, if I'm honest, in the darkness of my heart at times, I have probably even enjoyed the power that I had over somebody when I knew they needed to come for me for forgiveness along those lines. But listen, Jesus reminds us in the scripture, teaches over again, over and over again, that forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an act of obedience stemming from the gratitude of God's grace to us. Let me give that to you again because it's so, such a powerful truth. It's an act of obedience stemming from the gratitude of God's grace to us. Second thing that Jesus didn't say about forgiveness, he did not say forgiveness is pretending that you were not hurt. The idea of just get over it is never found anywhere in the scriptures. Forgiveness doesn't mean to just walk around with your church face on and smile and do your little happy step and somebody ask you how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing fine. Hashtag blessed. That's not what forgiveness is about. We see it in the life of Jesus. I mean, the, the, the authenticity of his emotion. We, we see in the Bible that, that Jesus cried over loss, that Jesus experienced disappointment with some that were closest to him, that Jesus even expressed anger with the hypocrisy and the false spirituality of those around. So I just want to remind you today that it's okay to recognize the hurt that you feel and ultimately, the forgiveness that you're about to experience is going to come out of the pain that you're walking through in that moment. Third thing that Jesus never said is this. Forgiveness is saying that the person, what the person did is okay. You see, that very thought is what keeps many of you from forgiving. It's this idea of this. If I say I forgive you, then what I'm really saying is everything that you did to me is okay. But I want to remind you again that forgiveness is not about releasing the wrongdoer from debt. It's about releasing you from the bitterness. And that's the key, this whole thing this morning, right? This, this idea of forgiveness, it isn't about releasing that person, the wrongdoer of their indebtedness to you. It's about releasing, you will see over and over, your own heart from the bitterness that could come. Fourth thing that I hear a lot that Jesus never said, and that's this. Forgiveness is immediately trusting the offender, right? Can I remind you that trust is never an automatic right of the offender? It's earned through consistent behavior. <laughs> I recently had to share with somebody in the context of a conversation, listen, I, under, I forgive you for what you have said and done, but please understand this. At this moment in time, you're not a safe person for me. That safety and trust we will come back over time, but it's going to come back over consistent uh, behavior that I can see and trust that it's truly been changed. That's the important thing there, that trust is going to have to be built up over time. And this is what I'm also reminded about trust. Listen, trust is a gift that you give. It's not a right that you automatically have. And the fifth one Jesus never said is forgiveness is releasing the person of responsibility. See, forgiveness doesn't eradicate somebody's responsibility in a situation. It's not unloving to hold somebody accountable. In fact, accountability may be the most loving thing you could do for someone. Why? Because it may be the thing that leads them to repentance. So it isn't releasing them and advocating them of, of, of any kind of wrongdoing or responsibility that they have. So these are five things I hear a lot 
So the question is, if Jesus didn't say that about forgiveness, what did he truly say about forgiveness? And how do I apply that to the relationships that are closest to me at this time? Well, in order to see that this morning, we're going to go to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles or fire up your phones and head there with me. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at one key verse this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I love the first part of it. It simply says this. It says this, make allowance for each other's faults. <laughs> I, I, I made the mistake this week as I was preparing for the sermon. I asked Tammy, I said, Tammy, is there anything that I do that annoys you? And well, here's what she said. Hey, Tammy. Hey, Tammy. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, this week I'm dealing with the issue of forgiveness. And in these quarantine times, I realize if we're not careful, we can do little things that annoy one another. And so I thought I would ask a brave question. Is there anything I do that annoys you? Oh, like interrupt me while I'm working? Yeah, kind of things like that. Oh, like squeeze in the middle of the toothpaste tube? Mm-hmm. I can always tell when you get a bowl of cereal because the cupboard is left open. Uh, putting away dirty dishes doesn't mean putting them in the sink. We have a dishwasher. Uh, yeah, and her name is... Uh, don't even go there. Sarcastic jokes maybe might be high on the list. How about uh, the pillows, those decorative pillows in the bedroom that are supposed to go on the top of the bed when done, not left on the floor. Um, and let me see, dirty socks thing. Well, you know what? How about if I start on the man cave? Wait, wait, Let's start. I, I think I get, we get the idea that after 32 years of marriage, there are still some little things that I do that annoy you. Some, yes, just some little things. I mean. Well, listen, as you look around the room today, can I just remind you, boy, these are the people that you love the most, but there will be moments that these are people that you don't always like, but you always love them. Colossians, I think, tells us and reminds us, listen, there are going to be times that we are going to have faults, and in those faults that we're going to mistreat one another, in those moments we're going to become impatient with one another, so listen, don't be surprised when your little brother or sister drive you crazy, all right? Don't be surprised when your spouse isn't as thoughtful as you thought they should be, or your roommate leaves their dishes in the sink for two weeks straight. Colossians says, listen, this will happen. This is currently happening, and this will continue to happen when we live with people who have faults. And guess what? We're one of those people with those faults. Now, let me take a moment and speak specifically to my married folks. Listen, married couples are those in relationships. During this time, there's one thing that is so critical. It's so important that you distinguish between what's a little deal and what's a big deal. Those things that are little deals, those little annoyances, listen, it becomes critical that you and I are willing to kind of let those things go so we can focus on what really is the big issue or the big deal. And the key is that we focus on those things before they grow into something that becomes a deal breaker in that relationship that you have. The little things, oh boy, the little things often grow to become the biggest things, especially in the context of marriages. Remember the quote I read earlier about the Chinese official and what he was contributing 
to the higher divorce rate in China than they've ever experienced, it was this very thing, wasn't it? It was saying during these quarantine moments, all of a sudden little annoyances are festering and becoming big issues and we're seldom dealing with the big issues and it leads to the struggles that we're having right now. You know, all the things that Tammy shared in the video, all those silly little annoyances, listen, those were real issues in our life and real issues in our marriage. When we would have these discussions about having dirty dishes in the sink rather than putting them in the dishwasher, listen, we would battle over that not because of the dirty dishes. We were battling over the issue of this, do you take what I do for granted? Are we equally partnering in the things that are important to us as a couple? Are we each doing our fair share? And so after those discussions, those battles that we have, I've solved it. Uh, we now eat off paper plates. I'm kidding, but that might have been a good idea years ago. But see, the issue really wasn't the issue that we were dealing with at the moment. It was symptoms. The dishes were a symptom of a greater unfelt need. And so that was the thing that we need to talk about in those moments. You know, parents, the same is true with kids. Listen, if you don't make a difference, a distinction between little issues and big issues, if every little issue becomes a big issue, then listen, you're going to feel like you're nagging your kids from sun up to sundown. Can I just encourage you? Make that distinction. Don't battle, pick those battles wisely. Don't spend all the time on the little issues because my fear is this, that you're going to lose the power of your voice through constant nagging. And then the issues that are really important that you need to address, it's just going to be forgotten. Pick your battles wisely. Make your home a place of joy in those. Now, here's the problem. Even if we do that in our relationships, right? Even if we have great wisdom on what's a little issue and what's a big issue, we still are going to wrong one another. I mean, our coworkers are, are still going to take advantage of us in these circumstances. The key relationships in your life, that person's going to mistreat you in different ways. Our government's going to make decisions that have negative impact in your lives. We're even going to disappoint ourselves, right, in our actions and our attitudes and how we respond to certain situations. So the question is, how do we respond when the inevitable happens? How do we respond when there are faults with others and faults within ourselves? Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to see here, here's the second part, right? Make allowance, each other's faults, this is going to happen. And so here it is. And forgive anyone who offends you. This is the hard part of this section, right? This is what makes this teaching so difficult that we have. See, as a follower of Jesus, we're not called simply to endure mistreatment. We're, we're not called to stuff down uh, your emotions deep down inside and pretend they're not there over a big bowl of ice cream. We're, we're not called to simply don't retaliate, just take it, just absorb it. We're gonna see this, that the goal as a follower of Jesus is to choose, right, through an act of your will to forgive. That the goal in all this is protecting your heart from bitterness. The goal of this is to create your own sense of heart health and your own sense of just what God wants to do in your life because the absence of that unforgiveness is what creates that bitterness within. So it is about you. Now, as I think about this idea, listen, I, I don't know about you. For me, I have struggled with this issue at times of unforgiveness. I, I tend to get wounded easily and I tend to get wounded far deeper than I probably should. And when I get wounded, here's the challenge. The only person that gets hurt in these moments is, is me, right? 
the offender is not losing sleep over this. The offender is not staying up at night worrying about these things. It's me. I'm the one who worries about him. I'm the one who loses sleep. And all of a sudden, my mind is racing. My heart is getting turned up. If I'm not careful, if I don't check it, bitterness sets in. And the people who receive the outpouring of that frustration are those that are closest to us. And so my family, I become frustrated. I become short. I become angry quickly. Why? Because bitterness is beginning to seep and to grow within my heart. My poor family has done nothing wrong except to have lived in my presence. You ever been there in a field those kind of ways? So I need to forgive. This is what Colossians is going to remind us. I, I need to forgive for the protection of my own heart. I need to learn to forgive for the health and the joy of my family and those that are closest to us. Forgiveness. It's so easy to say, but it really is hard work, right? Because, I mean, think about this. Retaliation comes easy, right? There, there's no effort in that. A, a child can retaliate. It's a mature person that has the ability to forgive. Weakness responds in woundedness, but strength overcomes that woundedness with forgiveness. As a follower of Jesus... We have a far more compelling reason why we should forgive beyond just even taking care of our own heart. We have this compelling reason why God says we should forgive. And let's go back again to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 13 has this one word that's so key in the reason. It's simply this, remember. Remember. Here's what he's saying. At moments of woundedness and moments of hurt, here is the key. Remember. So it tells you, remember before you react, he says, what should you do? You should reflect. See, reaction, this is what's amazing. Reaction takes no effort. It's, it's instinctual, right? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back at a little bit more. You write a nasty post about me, you write a negative comment about me, then man, I'm going to just fire back as quick as I can. It's the challenge and what makes social media, I think, so ugly and so hurtful at this time. It allows us to retaliate back and forth, and I know it can be. I, I've experienced that, and I'm sure you have. I've had people defame me or even talk bad about our church that have never met me or ever, never even been here. And in those moments, if I'm not careful, my anger can go from zero to 100. My protective spirit rises up, and all of a sudden, these things are coming. And Colossians 3 says, in that moment, when you feel attacked, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to remember. It's the old WWJD moment, right? How would Jesus respond in this moment? So if we're supposed to reflect before we respond, then what should we remember? Again, Colossians 3 gives us the key. It says, remember this, that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In this moment, right, when you're responding, when your blood pressure is rising up, we're supposed to remember what? That the Lord forgave you so that you must forgive others. See, the full impact of Jesus' death on the cross was not only that we had forgiveness for our sins, it was the example of what the lifestyle of a follower of him should look like. It was this idea that we need to be conformed our lives to what we are seeing in the life of Jesus. Who in the moment of being mistreated the most and in the moment of isolation where those that were closest had left him, what was Jesus' response? Father, forgive them. Why? For they know not what they do. As a follower of him, 
my life should be characterized by that kind of forgiveness. Forgiveness that's given in full, a forgiveness that's given quickly, a forgiveness that's not given with all these strings. It's, it's the important thing about who Jesus is. And as the church and as the followers of Jesus, then we should be men and women who are characterized the most by forgiveness. Again, remember at the start, things that forgiveness is and things that forgiveness is not. But the truest sense of that, it should be characterized in our life. As the church and as followers, this should be the characteristic of our life. A few years ago, I served on a national committee that dealt with church health and church restoration. And so what that would mean is we would travel around the country and go to churches that were hurting in the midst of conflict. And one of the last ones we did was a small little town in South Dakota. So I want you to picture, I mean, when I say small town, I mean small town. And the moment we walk into this small town country church, you could see right away there were two sections of pews and there were two groups on each side of the pew and conflict had begun between the pastor and the head deacon. Both sides had dug in. Both sides were determined not to let the other side win in this situation. Now, I would love to tell you after two long days with my amazing narration skills and my ability to bring people together, when we had left, they hugged, they cried. The church is now a lighthouse in that little community. I would love to be able to tell you that. But that wasn't the case. Two months later, the church split pastor took half of this little congregation and literally went down the block and started his own church right there in the small little town. At the end of that time, listen, neither side won. <laughs> the reputation of what a Christian is, a follower of Jesus in this small little community, certainly did not win. The name of Jesus was not lifted up and honored in the context of what was happening. See, pride had become bigger than the problem and the people's pain all of a sudden was greater than the struggle of the purpose of why they were planted there in the first place. And hurt won over healing. I love the quote by Pastor Andy Stanley, and he, he says this about forgiveness. He says this, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. And I love that last part. Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. What if that was our attitude at times when we've been wronged or wounded? What if that was our attitude that this is a gift from one undeserving soul to another at times when we're misunderstood or misrepresented to other people? What if that was our attitude as families? That this is a gift, the gift of forgiveness to my spouse. That this is the gift, the gift of forgiveness to my children when they're pushing all of my buttons that are there. This is the gift to my brothers and sisters of Christ of one undeserving soul to another. It's the gift of forgiveness. You see, Jesus never said, you don't need to forgive. Rather, he said, for the protection of your heart, for the joy that is within you, you have to learn to choose to forgive. So today, families, we're sitting around today even watching this sermon. Where do you need to have forgiveness towards one another? For spouses, couples, where is unforgiveness putting your marriage at risk or at very least stealing the joy of your time together?
Church, where do we need to extend the undeserving gift of one undeserving soul to another, to the people around us? See, it's the wonderful gift of forgiveness that we have. Friends, today, if you've not experienced that in your own life, if you've not experienced God's love and God's forgiveness to you in your life, then the beauty is you can do that even now in this moment. It's simply even in this time, we're gonna close out in a song together and it's even in that moment simply just praying that to the Lord, God, just please forgive me. God, come into my life and change me. For those of us that know the Lord, then again, the compelling reason why we will choose to forgive is because we have a wonderful Savior that modeled for us what forgiveness looks like and tells us and compels us that a characteristic of a life of somebody who is conformed in my image to be who I've called you to be is to be a man or woman of forgiveness. And so from one undeserving soul to another. Let's even today practice forgiving. Let's pray together. Father, today, thank you for the wonderful truth of Colossians chapter three that reminds us that in this world we will face difficulty and struggles and people with faults because we are one of those people. But God, even in the context of these people that are closest to us that we love the most and yet these days have been challenging, let us commit to be men and women who choose to forgive because we are people who have experienced the amazing forgiveness of you in our own lives. So God, we love you. Thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that we can trust the things that you say. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, Pastor Brian, for a very timely message. I know I needed it personally. If today's message spoke to you and you just need prayer or someone to talk to, go to lexi.info and click on Need Prayer. And one of our prayer team members will be in contact with you very soon. Don't forget, Mother's Day is coming up next week. Dads and kids, you've been warned. We'll be showing pictures on our live stream of Lex City Moms. So post your favorite picture of your family or mom and hashtag Lex City Moms right now. And we'll put it in next week's service. Thanks for watching this week. For more content, follow us on social media at Lex City Church. We'll see you right back here next week. Flap, is that what we're going with? We have to get a hand signal. Ah, yeah. Flap. What's the... No, this feels... Is this Kid City Live? Who wrote this? I can't do it. Yeah. It's a flat movement. Yeah. Flat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For there Lexington Assistance yeah. Program. Flat. There we go. Flat. Flat. Oh, Mighty flat. Ducks. Flat.